Hello and welcome to this Brussels to Beijing policy podcast from S&P Global Platz. I'm Siobhan Hall, Platz's expert on European Union energy policy based in Brussels, and I'm joined from London by European gas analyst Simon Wood and from Moscow by energy news editor Rosemary Griffin. Today, we're talking about how natural gas from Russia will reach Europe after 2019 when Gazprom's transit contract with Ukraine's NAFTA gas expires. Gazprom's Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Germany and its Turk Stream pipeline to Turkey will dramatically cut flows via Ukraine. But Gazprom will still need to send at least some volumes through Ukraine after 2019 to meet existing obligations to European customers. So Rosemary, what's the latest on Russia and Ukraine agreeing transit terms for 2020 and beyond? Russian Energy Minister Alexander Novak said this month that Russia sees European demand for Russian gas growing by 10 to 15 percent in the next five to 10 years. And Russia is considering delivering this extra demand through Ukraine. But Novak wouldn't give any precise volume. Right. Well, that sounds like Russia saying to the European Union, you commit to buying your extra gas demand from us and we'll commit to sending it through Ukraine. So, Simon... How do you see European demand for Russian gas supplies developing? Yes, um, the European gas demand, uh, particularly for Russian gas, has been robust on the back of, kind of two very high demand winters and a strong power sector demand, whilst Asia has been absorbing any growth in global LNG and Europe's indigenous production is in decline. Therefore, in our view, imports of Russian gas are set to be on an upward trend in the coming years. And how solid do you think this 10 to 15 percent forecast by Novak is, Simon? Could you put a volume figure on the extra demand? Yeah, we, we can put a rough figure on it. Based on our analysis in our recently published Platz Analytics long-term European gas outlook, we think the extra demand for Russian gas by 2025 could be in the range of 20 BCM per year compared to the average of the last four years to Central and Western Europe. So that is an increase of around 15 to 20 percent. But that won't necessarily be continued growth. As I said, Northwest Europe just had two very, very high demand years. So next year it could be lower, but we do see the trend as definitely being upwards. Yes. Now, last year was a seven-year high for overall EU gas demand. I mean, it reached 491 billion cubic metres. And Gazprom has estimated its sales to Europe and Turkey may reach 205 billion cubic metres in 2018. So, Rosemary, is there enough Russian gas production to meet this extra European demand? Yes, Russian officials have repeatedly said that they're ready to meet high European demand, and there is also the chance that other gas producers in Russia, particularly Rosneft, will successfully challenge Gazprom's monopoly on pipeline exports. So Rosneft has big gas production plans and a provisional deal with BP for gas trading to Europe if the Russian government allows access to the export pipelines. Rosneft's pushing hard for this, but there's no guarantee of if or when it will happen. Yeah, we assume that there will be lots of Russian gas available to meet uh, European demand going forward. Indeed, actually, we see the biggest bottlenecks as being export capacity to the areas where we see the greatest demand growth for Russian gas, and that includes Northwest Europe. Right. Well, that brings us to another big debate, and that is whether Nord Stream 2 will be built and by when. Our current view is that Nord Stream 2 will be built, but it may not come online by the end of 2019. We're expecting it to be closer to October 2020. It's a big project on a very tight schedule now, and you know there are some permits still to be granted, so it could easily slip. 
In our long-term uh, European gas outlook, even with Nord Stream 2 online, we still see some volumes around 5 to 10 BCM a year in the 2020s, climbing again in the 2030s, transiting via Ukraine. Given Russia is a potential swing supplier, the Ukrainian route could be more important in some years than others. And other European companies investing in Nord Stream 2 worried about the threat of U.S. sanctions at all. We just saw U.S. President Donald Trump criticize Germany and other EU countries for supporting it, and we know he has these discretionary powers to impose sanctions on companies involved in it. Well, they don't seem to be. I mean, I spoke directly to one of the European CEOs involved, and they said as long as there are no sanctions imposed, they're continuing as normal. But how have the Russian oil companies coped with European and U.S. financial sanctions, you know, the ones imposed after Russian annexed Crimea? So generally pretty well. Uh, Sanctions were introduced at around the same time as the oil price crashed, which really had a huge impact on the viability of many of Russia's ambitious projects. That being said, we know that Novotech successfully switched its financing model for Yamal LNG and attracted Chinese investment, and that project is running ahead of schedule. Ah, so U.S. sanctions just push Russian companies to Asia. Yeah, I don't think financing is a problem for Nord Stream 2. The Russian government could always pay for it. But it will still be interesting to see who else does finance it. Uh, From a European perspective, it's easy to see why companies like Angie, Shell and Uniper support Nord Stream 2. We see Russian lifting costs to Northwest Europe via Nord Stream currently kind of $3 to $4 an MMBTU. This gives it a clear competitive advantage over US LNG, certainly in Northwest Europe, where we see a tighter US gas balance in the long term, as well as liquefaction and transportation costs, placing the cost of US LNG uh, to Northwest Europe in around $6 to $7. And will that change as oil prices recover? I mean, we've seen oil fluctuate but remain above $72 a barrel for the last three months now. A lot of Russian gas is sold on long-term oil index contracts, so that will feed into the price of the final customer. I mean, that's true. But even if some uh, Russian gas contracts get pulled up by a more robust oil complex, the majority of Russian gas is now actually sold at a hub index or at least benchmarked to those hubs. In our long-term outlook, we also see U.S. Henry Hub prices strengthening. So although we may see Russian gas get slightly more expensive, we also see global supplies in general getting more expensive, particularly for Northwest Europe, where the demand is. Right. So let's bring it back to the post-2019 transit talks. Rosemary, how does it look for Moscow? Do you think we'll be seeing an agreement between Russia and Ukraine anytime soon? Well, Novak has been very clear that all the current disputes have to be resolved before Russia will commit to a new transit contract from 2020. And the current disputes are really entrenched. Gazprom and Naftogaz went to arbitration, but it hasn't resolved anything yet, and they're still locked in a legal battle. So, it looks like we're set up for another 18 months of will-they-won't-they drama. I mean, will Russia bring Nord Stream 2 online by end 2019? Will Russia and Ukraine agree a new transit deal before 2020? And will Russian gas stay cheap relative to US LNG? We'll be following all of this closely here at Platts. Thank you for listening, and join us next time for more Platts Perspectives on Policy.